Hey everybody, you're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. So today I get to bring you the word. We are in Advent, which is basically a fancy word that means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And we all know as Christians, we're celebrating Christ's arrival in this season. And um, I really think that to get the full picture of why Jesus came We have to start at the very beginning. So if you would turn with me, we're in Genesis chapter 3. It's going to come up on the screens if you want to follow along. We're in Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to read a good chunk of the story here because it's going to set us up for what I'm talking about today. So verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. The serpent said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. That would be a scary revelation. Can you imagine? You don't have any concept, and then all of a sudden, whoa. (laughs) And it says that they literally sewed fig leaves together and made themselves clothing. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Have you ever done that? Hidden yourself from the presence of the Lord? Hidden yourself from church? Hidden yourself from being in an environment where somebody might see right through you? It's okay. They did it too. Way back in the beginning. And... um, God called out to them and said, where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree. And I ate. I love that part. (laughs) and all the married couples are like exactly 
Exactly. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And this is where I want to land. And God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. If you're taking notes or you're making a mental note today, my message is called The Plan. And I love how we were just singing about the goodness and the faithfulness of God because some of us are in the middle of circumstances where it's hard for us to sing that song. Um, I don't mean to harp on it. I don't mean to make it a big thing. But I just find that it helps set the tone, especially for people who are new, who are looking up on stage. There's a sickness in church where we elevate the pastors on a pedestal, where they will never be able to meet all of your expectations and forget that we're humans walking this journey right alongside you. So recently, in the last two months, I was diagnosed with cancer. And I'm still in the middle of it. I'm still in the middle of this storm. And so for me to come in today, it does good to my soul to remind myself, hey, God's goodness hasn't changed because of what I'm in the middle of. His faithfulness hasn't changed because of what I'm in the middle of. And his faithfulness goes all the way back to this moment. As soon as our first failure is as soon as God provides the answer. This moment here is called the Proto-Evangelium. And I'm going to give you a little Bible study moment here today. The Proto-Evangelium, proto in the Greek means first. And Evangelion means good news or the gospel. So we see the gospel the good news of Jesus for the very first time, not in Matthew, not in the Gospels, all the way back here in Genesis 3. And as soon as there was a failure, God already had a plan. And he said, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And this was the plan of God from the very beginning. And that's why he's good, and that's why he's faithful. Because before you or I ever sinned or ever suffered, he already had a plan in place to heal us. He already had a plan in place to redeem us. And some of us might be like, yeah, you know, I've heard this a million times, but we don't live like that. We're still Adam and Eve hiding from God when we do something bad, hiding from church when we feel like we're not good enough, hiding from his presence when we're disappointed in what he's done. So do we actually understand the good news for us that in the very moment that you or I are weak, God has already, already given us the solution. Now, I'm a planner. Uh, I like to plan things. I'm not really, I know Colleen's like, really? I'm not really a fly by the seat of my pants type of person. 
I like to have a plan. I like things to be organized when I'm going on trips. I like to know where am I going to eat? Where am I going to go? It's just naturally in there. Um, what could possibly happen? And then I have a backup plan for that. Um, if you're a planner in the room, say amen. So I know I'm not alone. Um, <laughs> out of high school, I actually wanted to be an event planner for a living. And I was working at my parents' church, and during that time, I think there was like 40 weddings. Like, it was just the season of the church where everybody was getting married. And so I decided to go to Humber, and I got um, event planning and event management education and certification. And so I spent the first four years out of high school just planning events, planning weddings, planning everything. And... Um, it encouraged me to know that God's a planner too. While he might seem super spontaneous, he's not. He's got an order and a plan for everything. And he's got everything written from the beginning to the end, and he already knows. And uh, God wove the truth of his plan right into the very beginning of the text. And it's woven from the very beginning all the way to the very end. And it's the same story. It's the good news that God is a redeemer, that he is a rescuer, that he was not going to leave. This moment where Adam and Eve screwed up real bad, he was never going to leave us in this state and not give us an opportunity to be reconciled to him. So if you know another version of God that's keeping score on who you are and that's pointing a finger and saying, you really blew it this time, you're not serving the God of the Bible. You're serving some man-made religious thing that you or somebody else made up in their head to try and control and dominate. That is not scripture. Genesis 3, God's like, ha, huh, don't worry. I know you ate the fruit. I got a plan. It's so good. So in verse 15, God lays out this plan for dealing with sin and restoring humanity. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Now, this is the part where we're going to struggle because when God says something, he says it forever until this earth fades away. And that's why we have things like cancer. We have things like humans who disappoint us. We have attacks where we feel depressed or discouraged. The enemy, from the very beginning, God said, listen, enmity is like being enemies. It's like you, Satan, you are going to be the arch enemy of the woman's offspring. And we are the woman's offspring right? We are the children of Eve. We are also, this language here also meant the church, the offspring. And so we have struggle. We have a fight. There's always some sort of a war going on within us between the God side and the flesh side. And this enmity between us is a part of life, However, in the same phrase, he 
announces his plan that he's sending someone that's going to bruise the head of the serpent and um, the serpent's going to bruise his heel. And I just want to get into this so we understand what this means for us. So I want to go back to Genesis 1, verses 1 through 5. So the first plan of the enemy was to try and get Adam and Eve to doubt God's plan for them. Okay? So God said, you can eat all of this, but not this. And the first thing the enemy does is he comes in and says, did God really say that? Did he really mean that? Is that really true? This is what he does. He comes in and he plants seeds of doubt. This is the way that he works. And he promises this advantage from eating this fruit that they're not going to get any other way. And he works to convince us that God's way is the bargain. And I had this conversation years ago with Pastor Mike over here. And we were talking about when he grew up, and hopefully he's not embarrassed by this. I love you. Um, I'm also, my brother-in-law is Mike's brother, and so I, I know this. But they grew up getting like honey O's. You know when you go to the grocery store, and there's like the bargain cereal along the bottom, and it's all in bags, okay? And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just got a different name, and it's in a bag, and then you see like Honey Nut Cheerios right above it. And it's like in this nice box, and he was talking about growing up and always feeling like I'm getting the Honey O's and never the Honey Nut Cheerios. And that's what was happening in this moment. The enemy was trying to make them feel that if they followed God's way, that they were going to get ripped off, that they were going to miss out. And if they followed God's way, that they were going to lose these opportunities. And so Adam had this serious FOMO. And uh, if you don't know what FOMO is, I'll just clarify. It's fear of missing out. So Adam's like, what is this that God doesn't want me to have that I'm missing out on? And the ultimate sin here and the ultimate thing that breaks God's heart and that I see myself in is that Adam felt that what God had given him wasn't good enough. And that he was missing what God had chosen not to give him. See, that tree wasn't a part of the plan for their lives. That tree, God had no plans for that tree to ever be a part of their lives. But because they felt, they listened to the voice of the enemy that was saying, if you go God's way, you're going to miss out. And we're the same today. We want what we don't have. God, surely this can't be your plan for my life. Surely. We question timelines, and then we start taking things into our own hands. And we start going, you know what? I'm just going to see what this is all about. I'm just going to go down this path. Ah, God, I know you told me not to go be in that relationship, but I'm just going to see. God, I know you told me that I should plug in and be a part of a church, but you know, ah, I feel like eh, every Sunday morning, that's like my valuable time. I'm not really into missing that, so eh, I don't know. And so begins 
the spiral of all the alternatives that God has no plan for that in your life. But because of FOMO, we can't help ourselves because we always, from the beginning of time, we always feel like we're missing out on something. And the enemy constantly lies to us. And what ends up happening is we deny God's plan and we choose our own instead. And then things don't turn out in the end the way that we hoped they would. And then whose fault is it? God's fault. Well, God, aren't you sovereign? Shouldn't you have stopped that person? Shouldn't you? I wish God would just make me do the right thing. No, he doesn't work that way. He doesn't make robots. He wants people with a will. He gave Adam and Eve the choice. And how many of us at different points have chosen our plan over God's plan because we feel like we know what's best for us. And the truth is, is if you read scripture, there is no one that knows you like your creator and far be it from us to think that we know more than God. But we act like it. We live like it. Every time we decide, no, that's not, that's not for me. I have other things in mind, you know? So then what happens is he gives this sentence, and he pronounces like this doom onto the serpent, and to who the serpent represents, which is Satan. Satan had already fallen, but now God lays out this plan that eventually Satan's power was going to be fully destroyed by the offspring of the very people that he had deceived. And we see in 1 Corinthians now, we're going all the way to the back of our Bibles, to 1 Corinthians, where it says in 15 verses 21 to 22, for since death came through one man. The resurrection of the dead comes also through one man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And we see a tie-in directly back to Genesis 3 here, where he lays out his plan. So let me remind you, Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, which means Satan, you're going to be at war with humanity. You're going to be at war. If you're waiting for a time in your life where you're never going to have a struggle or a doubt or an attack or whatever, you're going to be waiting till you get to heaven because of this moment right here. God doesn't always deliver us to a place where there's no temptation and there's no attack. And there's no, that's not my experience in my life. As soon as I feel like I'm turning a corner, there's another surprise. <laughs> there's another surprise. And at every single point, each one of those surprises is designed to remind us that we need God. We need him. There's never a point that you and I are going to get to where we don't need him. And so I just want to break this down. So her offspring 
Enmity between you and the woman and the offspring means the Messiah or his church. And so it says here, you shall bruise his heel. And what it's talking about is that Satan would be permitted to afflict the humanity of Christ and bring suffering and persecution to his people. So God allowed this. And this is the part that I think we have a hard time grasping about God. He allowed the enemy to inflict pain and suffering on his son and on everyone who would call Jesus Lord. If you study the early church, they were persecuted, they were boiled, they were crucified, they were attacked, they had to scatter for their lives. But then it says, and he shall bruise your head. Now, if you know anything about serpents, all of their poison is lodged in their head. So if you crush a serpent's head, it's fatal to them. And their power to kill you with venom is completely destroyed. And so what God is saying here is that Satan was going to be finished with a final blow through Christ's death and resurrection. And the very spot on the serpent's body that contained the poison was going to be crushed. Again, back in Genesis, we're already hearing about Christ's arrival from the very beginning. Some people are like, yeah, the Bible contradicts itself over and over and over again. Actually, it doesn't. If you study it, and scholars who are not Christians have studied it, there are connections throughout the entire thing cover to cover. God thought about all of it. So in verses 14 and 15, the devil is sentenced to be destroyed and ruined by the last great redeemer, signified by the bruising of his head. And um, there is war, though, proclaimed between Satan and the seed of woman. And this is why we have, like I said earlier, this continual tug of war between grace and corruption and between, you know, doing what God wants and doing what we want. That is why we are the way we are. Not because you're evil, not because you're bad, not because you're a screw-up, because it's, this is what it is from the beginning of time. So he promises Christ as a deliverer of fallen man. And like I said earlier, no sooner was the wound given than the remedy was provided. And this is what you need to take hold of today. No sooner was the wound given that the remedy was provided. This is who God is. And Jesus was God's plan all the way in Genesis. And it's still his plan now. And the enemy wants to try and make us believe that he still has power. He still has power. I hear more people afraid of what the enemy is doing on the earth with every conspiracy theory, and some are true, I'm sure, and whatever. But <laughs> one of my friends is really into it. And I'm friends with people who are on both sides of the spectrum when it comes to conspiracy theories, you know. 
And I just said to that person, okay, but can we also talk about God's plan for the earth? Can we also recognize that like this was already taken care of? And though it seems on the outside like everything's falling apart, that God has had a plan from the beginning and he has every intention of carrying it out. And the only fuel that the enemy has is the access that you give him. And that's where I want to encourage us today to remind ourselves that the enemy lost his power already. He lost his power already. Oh, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He can't make you do anything. He can't. The only thing he can do is drop a line of discouragement. Drop a line of doubt. Drop a line of temptation. He can't make you do anything. And, you know, maybe I just feel like this hits me more now because of what I'm going through. And there's moments where the enemy really does try and come in and bring hopelessness and just make me feel like, you know, okay, this is what I guess I deserve. Like, these are such lies. And I don't know if anyone in this place is believing lies about what you deserve and what you should and shouldn't and whatever, but, like, the enemy has already lost. This, you know, this battle for me, my battle right now is cancer. I don't know what your battle is, but it's already lost. It's already lost. It will not steal my praise. It will not, it may make me frustrated. Some days it makes me exhausted. Some days I feel like I don't have the joy of the Lord. <laughs> but ultimate, ultimately, it can't have me. And whatever you're struggling with, whatever is trying to take you out, it doesn't have a right to you. The only right it has is the right that you give it. Because Jesus was given as the solution all the way at the beginning. And I don't know if you know this, but he's already come. He's already lived. He's already died. And he's already been raised from the dead. So the fatal blow has already been given to the enemy. And sometimes the I just feel like the enemy wants us to just constantly live defeated and discouraged as if we have no power, as if we're just subject to whatever life's going to throw at us. And we don't have to live that way. And some of us need to get a little bit of a fight in us and stop just accepting everything that comes our way. Oh, okay, I guess this is... No. No. And I'm not talking about denial, okay? I'm not sitting, I don't have cancer. I, you don't, I'm not going to, nope, 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 nope. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about though he slay me, yet I will praise him. He is still worthy. And it's the biggest slap in the face to the enemy. When he tries, he tries. This year, my God, he tried. He tried. I lost my pastor, my father, my family, completely blown up. And I thought, surely this can't get any worse. <laughs> and then 
I'm having pains in my side and I think I got kidney stones. And they're like, yeah, actually you have cancer. I'm like, oh, it can get worse. Okay, just in case you were wondering, it can get worse. And listen, I'm not a superhero, but I know who God is. And I know that Christ, the same power that conquered the grave, lives in me. And we just put so much weight on this life. But do you know there's a whole eternity after this? There's a whole eternity after this that is going to last way longer than our 60, 70, 80, 90 years that we have here. So I want to talk about this for just a couple more minutes. Some of us live our whole lives asking the question, okay, so God, what's the plan then for my life? You know, I said Jesus was God's plan in the beginning. He's still God's plan now, but what does that have to do with you and me? And I want to explain to you two things that are confirmed in Scripture all throughout the beginning, and now you never have to ask this question anymore. So God has a general plan, okay? His general plan is to redeem you. It's to save you. It's to restore you. It's to transform you into the likeness of his son, Jesus. That's his plan, okay? So that also makes us the best version of ourselves. The best version of you is the most Christ-like one. Okay? His plan for all of us is to be free, like I said, from sin, from death, from the weight of the world, from the weight that the enemy tries to throw on us. It's very simple. That's his plan. But I have a spoiler alert. We all want to know what God's individual plan is for us. Okay, but what about me? What about me? You know, I have these gifts, or I have these talents, or I have these feelings, or I have these callings, or I, maybe I'm not significant at all. And I want to tell you that everything that God has you in and doing as an individual is all for the general plan. <laughs> so the job you're in, the family you have, are you a janitor? Are you a pastor? Are you a barista? Do you work in technology? Are you a stay-at-home mom? Are you a student? Every single one of those things, God's plan is to make you more like Christ. So you don't have to wander any further and wonder, God, what is your plan for my life? His plan is to make you like Christ. And he will use every single means in your life to do so. His plan for you is not a, a, a vocation or a job. Well, God's plan for my life was to be an administrator, and that's his plan for me, and that's what, well, no. His plan for you is to be like Christ. And that means that no matter your circumstances, where you're working, what you're doing, Every single one of those things is another opportunity for you to become like Christ. But if you're sitting in every moment wishing you were somewhere else, 
thinking you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, thinking you're insignificant, thinking you don't matter, or thinking that you finally made it. Every single one of those opportunities is a, is a way that God wants to make you like Christ. All of the plans are designed to perform God's general plan. And some of us, we keep waiting on God's specific direction, and I'm not saying he doesn't give you specific direction. Because many times, he says, stay. Or he says, go. Or he says, that person, or that person. But I also think that a lot of times we sit and do nothing because we're waiting for him to swoop in and supernaturally drop something into our lap. And he's like, yeah, that's on you, bro. That's all on you. I have a friend. His whole life, he wanted to be a doctor or work in the medical field. And I watched him move in and out and in and out of discouragement and waiting for God and this and this and that. And didn't get into med school. And then went around again, didn't get into med school again. And just the struggle and the strife. And one day he was like, I'm going to be a paramedic. And he went and he put himself in school and he got his stripes and he's a paramedic now. And there was no like supernatural wind that swooped in that like carried him to the college and signed the papers for him. It's like, you got to get up and do something. You want to you wanna do something. You got to get up and do it. You got to pursue it. God's very faithful to shut doors and open doors. And sometimes his instruction is sit and do nothing. And you got to be faithful with that too. But the point that I'm trying to make is Colossians 3, Paul says, whatever you do, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. It doesn't matter. Do it as if you're doing it for God. And this also means that it doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I'm obedient to God, he's going to make me more like him. And that means that I'm right in the middle of God's plan for my life. I'm not lost. I'm not forgotten. I'm not wandering. I'm exactly where I need to be. But some of us just aren't acknowledging that. Well, I'm a good church-going person, and I go to work, and I come home, and I do my duty, and God's trying to get a hold of your heart. Some of us are the opposite. We're nowhere to be found. We're hiding in the bushes, thinking that God doesn't know exactly what's going in our lives and our heart. He's like, you can come out now. Whatever walk of life we're in. So maybe your life hasn't gone according to plan. I know mine hasn't. And we cry out to God and we're like, God, you told me to stay here. God, you gave me this spouse. You gave me these parents. You knew that I was going to have to battle this disease. And he's like, I'm not concerned about where you're going. God is always concerned about who you're becoming. 
And he can use every single one of those things to help us become who he's called us to be. We're always waiting for a destination. We're always waiting for the next. You could be a million different places in your life. You could have 10 different careers. Because it's not about what you do. It's about who you are, who you're becoming. Heroes in the Bible were not heroes because of what they did. They were heroes because they just trusted and obeyed God. And a lot of them actually did horrible things. So if you're counting yourself out because of that, you're, again, I don't know what Bible you're reading. This Bible is full of messy, messy, messy people. If God didn't want to use messy people, he would have no options left. None. So, you don't need to wonder what God's plan is for your life. His plan was laid out in the very beginning. And his plan is his son. And his plan is for you to be like his son. And Jesus says, I'm going to close with this scripture. Jesus says in John 14, 23 to 24. Jesus answered him and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. Now, this is saying that Jesus, Jesus did what Adam couldn't do. Jesus accepted God's plan for him. Adam could not accept God's plan. Remember, that tree was not a part of God's plan. And Adam and Eve just broke right through that and went for it. Jesus, on the other hand, accepted God's plan, even though it meant suffering, even though it meant death, even though it meant all of these things. And this is saying that God knew that Jesus loved him by the way that Jesus accepted and obeyed him. And this is where I'm landing here today. God knows how we really feel about him by the way that we say yes to his plan. It's in our lives and the way that we accept God's plan and live it out and live obedient to it that he knows we love him. It's not how much you cry. It's not how loud you sing in worship. It's not your self-proclaimed spirituality. Do you accept God's plan? And do you live it out? If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. God knew that Jesus loved him by his acceptance and obedience of his plan. How does God know you love him? You accept and obey his plan. And we don't have to spend our lives wondering what God's plan is for us because it's clearly laid out right here. You know, at Advent, we celebrate the coming of Christ. But we're really celebrating God's plan for us. To redeem us, to transform us. And many of us just need to accept it. And go, you know what? 
maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe my way isn't the best way. He said, don't eat from that tree. So I'm going to just trust him. It's probably not what's best for me. If we started living that way, there would be deep transformation in our lives. But we got to give God a chance through obedience. Now, I want to pray for us today. And Mike, you could come back. I want to pray for us today because I understand that mentally assenting to this and actually doing it are two different things. And I understand the many, many valid excuses and reasons why we don't. I understand. But I want to encourage us today, and I want you to leave encouraged that Every battle that you're facing has already been won. And God is just waiting for your participation in what he's doing, in his plan. He's waiting for your willingness to set aside the part of you that's like your father Adam, that thinks that you know what's best that thinks that if you do it God's way you're somehow going to get ripped off you're somehow going to get the short end of the stick I gotta make my own way I gotta make my own success I gotta make my own whatever it is and I want to pray for us today so if you would just bow your heads just close your eyes just have your own moment here Father God we thank you for your plan We thank you that at the very beginning, you already had a plan. You already had a way out. You already had redemption. You already had salvation. You already had the good news from the very start. God, we thank you that before we ever sinned, before we ever fell short, before we ever struggled, There was a plan to redeem us. And God, I ask right now that you would help us to have this revelation in our everyday lives. That we would be able to overcome the temptation of the enemy, the voices that speak lies. That wherever we are, whatever we're doing, that we're being made like you, Jesus. And God, in this Christmas season, help us to be reminded of why you came. Help us to be reminded of the reality of what that means for our lives. That we, though we may struggle, though we may battle, though we may go through the storm, that we have hope. We have a living hope. His name is Jesus. God, would you just pull us out if we're in a slump, if we feel like we're in a pit and we can't get out, if we feel discouraged, if we feel disappointed, if we feel like we're too far gone, or if we feel proud and we feel like we know better than you. God, would you help us today? Would you meet us exactly where we're at? would you help us today but not only that would you give us
boldness and the courage to share this good news with the people in our world, in our influence. God, we want to see your kingdom come to this area. We as a church, we want to be a place where we can welcome home the lost into a family, into a community that knows they're loved, that knows they're accepted, that knows that they're walking in God's grace and walking in God's plan. And we may not have all the answers, but we know you're good and we know you're faithful. And just like you had a plan from the very beginning, you have a plan for this church. You have a plan for each and every person. So we just ask that you would shift our perspective today to see what you see, to have your heart, your vision. And today, if there's anyone in this place where you haven't really accepted God's plan for your life, you haven't said yes, that's you I just want every eye closed I want you to just put up your hand in faith I'm going to give you a moment some of us may be church going we might have grown up in this but we actually still haven't accepted to the point where God is able to be Lord of our lives and if that's you today's the day just say yes God, I accept your plan. I accept that your way is the best way. We worship you in this place today. God, I pray that as everyone goes out, you would give each one of us peace. You'd give us strength. You'd give us grace to walk out. Our everyday lives, living them as if we're living them for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.